Hello, I'm Carola, and today we're going to be reading from Mark 2, verse 13, to chapter 3, verse 6. And he went out again by the seashore, and all the people were coming to him, and he was teaching them. As he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting in the tax booth, and he said to him, follow me, and he got up and followed him. And it happened that he was reclining at the table in his house, and many tax collectors and sinners were dining with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many of them, and they were following him. When the scribes of the Pharisees saw that he was eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they said to his disciples, Why is he eating and drinking with tax collectors and sinners? And hearing this, Jesus said to them, It is not those who are healthy who need a physician, but those who are sick. I did not come to call the righteous, but the sinners. John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting, and they came and said to him, Why did John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, While the bridegroom is with them, the attendants of the bridegroom cannot fast, can they? So long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. But the days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast in that day. No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, otherwise the patch pulls away from it. The new from the old and a worse tear results. No one puts a new wine into old wineskins, otherwise the wine will burst the skins, and the wine is lost, and the skins as well. But one puts new wine into fresh wineskins. And it happened that he was passing through the grain fields on the Sabbath, and his disciples began to make their way along while picking the heads of grain. The Pharisees were saying to him, Look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, Have you never read what David did when he was in need, and he and his companions became hungry? How he entered the house of God in the time of Abiathar, the high priest, and ate the consecrated bread, which is not lawful for anyone to eat except the priests, and he also gave it to those who were with him? Jesus said to them, Then the Sabbath was made for man, and not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord, even of the Sabbath. He entered again into a synagogue, and a man was there whose hands were withered. They were watching him to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath, so they might accuse him. He said to the man with the withered hand, Get up and come forward. And he said to them, Is it lawful to do good or to do harm on the Sabbath, to save a life or to kill? But they kept silent. After looking around at them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart, he said to the man, stretch out your hand, and he stretched it out, and his hand was restored. The Pharisees went out and immediately began conspiring with the Herodians against him as to how they might destroy him. So Mark is writing about the big news of Jesus. And last week we began a new series in the Gospel of Mark and he gave us four credible sources to listen to about his claims of Jesus, himself, the prophets, John the Baptist and God himself. Also that when we start to see Jesus on the ground interacting with people like we do today, we won't misunderstand what he's on about. A pastor from Perth uh, tells this story of misunderstanding. He says, a good friend of his studied at Oxford University. And this friend was in a choir group. And they toured the world, meeting some very, very impressive people from all over the place. But this friend, you have to know, has never, ever been into pop culture at all. Ever. 
And one day he sat down next to a movie director at a formal reception in the US. And the name didn't ring a bell. So to make conversation, he politely asked and said, so George, what sorts of movies do you make? George apparently made science fiction films. Splendid. Might I have seen some of them, he said. Well, have you seen Star Wars, said George Lucas. No, he said. Was it any good? <laughs> it's a true story. This guy had no idea who George Lucas was or what the name meant, what the name carried with it. And Mark doesn't want us to be like that with Jesus. Perhaps Jesus and Christianity are just for good people who obey God and go to church, people of faith. You think that. But what's interesting about Mark 2, what we had read to us, is that in this we meet a group of people called the Pharisees. And the Pharisee is a name given to a sect of Judaism that means separate one. They live very pious, very strict, very legalistic lives. Of everyone who lived in Jesus' day, you would have thought they would be all for Jesus, right? But they weren't. They misunderstood they would be like someone who's read, studied, written sci-fi books, but doesn't know George Lucas. I mean, they of all people should know, right? But instead, they criticise Jesus for who he should and shouldn't associate with, how he should practise religion, how he teaches other people to obey God. And Mark doesn't want us to be like them. He wants us to listen and hear in Jesus' own words and actions how he corrects all these misunderstandings. Instead of having to be good enough, God reaches out to us in Jesus. Obedience to God isn't gloomy, but joyful and attractive. And the commands of Jesus, what he gives, that to help us rest and do good. And so maybe this year, you've been struggling to work out what it means to follow Jesus. You're feeling a bit dull, not in a good place. Well, do come along. Let me refresh you for the next few moments with what it means that Jesus is the Son of God, the Messiah, as Mark wants us to know, and how he is your Messiah. And maybe you'd think through those claims for yourself. The first thing Mark wants us to see is that instead of having to be good enough, Jesus reaches out to us. So at this point, Jesus has been teaching in the lucrative fishing village of Galilee. And then he teaches, and he spots someone called Levi sitting at a tax booth. Now, you have to know, Levi was not a liked person. He's a tax collector. That means every time you sell fish, you pay a tax to Levi, to the Roman government. Fine. But more than just taking a cut, Levi adds his service fee on top. You know when you buy something online and you get to the checkout and what you thought was supposed to be $19.95 is now $23.84? You think, what? What's that service fee? But Levi just kept putting more on. He was in the business of rorting the system for his own gain. Others avoided him, despised him in fact. But Jesus goes right up to Levi and he says, follow me. Jesus doesn't define Levi by his reputation. And he's not embarrassed by Levi either. Because then he goes into his house and he filled with people who are despised and he has a meal with them. Now, these Pharisees, these separate ones, cannot stand this. For them, a Jewish teacher like Jesus should not associate with those types of people. 
Now, you have to know that in Jesus' day, the Jewish society, they lived with this mindset of being clean, morally, ritually, and ceremonially. They lived trying to be clean so that they could interact with God at the temple, right? And certain jobs or people or behaviours made you unclean. And this house was full of unclean things and unclean people in their mind. And what happens if you're around unclean things? You get unclean. Instead of guiding people how to be made clean and right before God, the Pharisees just decided to exclude them all. But what they don't get with Jesus is that Jesus isn't becoming like the people around him. Jesus reaches out to them to take away their uncleanness on himself without getting unclean in the process. Which is why he answers, in this one, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Jesus isn't saying that God just wants to save sinful people. He's saying God loves sinners and saves them as sinners without waiting for you to clean your life up. It would be like looking at one of those fitness groups you see in the park Saturday morning and you see 20 people running around and one very fit instructor and you would say to the instructor, why are you hanging around and associating with people who are unfit? Well, Levi knew he was unfit and unwell and this invitation to follow Jesus was exactly what he needed You see, Mark wants us to know that instead of having to be good enough for God, Jesus reaches out to all who realize we aren't good enough or religious enough or have enough faith or have it all sorted. And Jesus says, follow me and I will fix you up in the process. He corrects the misunderstanding. First one done. But what about when Jesus doesn't follow a tradition the Pharisees have like fasting? Well, Mark wants us to see that obedience to God isn't gloomy but joyful and attractive. Now, Jewish law in the Old Testament does not place a big emphasis on fasting. There was one day a year where you would fast to reflect on sin and the sorrow for it. One day a year. More often, the Jewish feasts and their calendar, like suited their calendar, they would put stickers for feasts and festivals and joyful moments and celebration. It was filled with it all year round. But Pharisees, they made fasting every Monday and Thursday. And it was gloomy. It was a sign of religious piety. And so Jesus isn't teaching them the right religious actions in their view right here. They've misunderstood. So Jesus says, how can the guests of the bridegroom fast while he's with them? They cannot. So as long as they have him with them, but the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken away and on that day they'll fast. No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth onto a garment, otherwise a new piece will pull away from the old, making the tear worse. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins, otherwise the wine will burst, and both the wine and the wineskin will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins. They'd misunderstood. You see, all that we do, it should joyfully lead us to God, not make us shuffle gloomily along. And with Jesus coming as the Son of God, the Son of Man, as Mark is making the claim, it is like a happy wedding reception has come, filled with joy and feasting and celebration. And the fasting with him at this moment would stop because it's inappropriate to fast at a wedding. Which is why then, sorry, celebrating the new way too of what God is offering, of being made clean through Jesus, like Levi experienced. And that's why he talks about patching clothes and bursting wineskins. The marks of religion and devotion the Pharisees developed 
can't contain the joy of Jesus. He's much too vibrant. He's not patching up the religious system of the day like you do to an old pair of pants. Jesus' words and commands can't be retrofitted into the traditions of the old. And if you try, you'll make the tear worse and the wineskin will burst and the wine will spill all over the ground. The Pharisees misunderstood. It's not about fitting Jesus into your life, but collapsing your life into, the, into Jesus, into the new thing God's doing through him. And that is a joyful thing. Joyful like the celebration at Levi's house. They misunderstood. Okay, so misunderstanding about the people Jesus associates with, the joy and the newness of life he brings. But what if Jesus goes a step further and not just, not just the people, not just the tradition, but what if he takes God's own law, you know, written down from Moses, and he seems to kind of rub bits out? What happens then? Well, Mark wants us to see the commands of Jesus are actually to help us rest and do good. So this time Jesus' followers eat some grain from the field, fine, they're hungry, great, eat some food. God's Lord legislated that, that if you're walking through a field, you can pick some off, you can eat it, it was great. It's like the fruit you see through the Windvale Walk, you know, the figs on the trees, if you get there quick enough, you can eat them. Except, they're doing it on the Sabbath. What's the Sabbath? Well, it's a day of the week, it's our Saturday, that's holy, and when you rest from working, all under God. It has its origins back in creation when God rested from his work of creating and it was about remembering, especially for the Jewish people, God's rescue from slavery of their ancestors from Egypt under Moses all those years beforehand. It's actually a happy day, not to be gloomy. But what happens when a day to reflect and celebrate God's kindness becomes all about counting the number of steps and how much you carry? Well, you get grumpy Pharisees. So Jesus then defend his followers and what they have done and he takes them back a few hundred years to a man called David from the Old Testament. David and his followers were hungry. There you go. David and his followers were hungry and so David goes into the temple. He takes the bread offered to God and he, he eats on himself, he gives it to his followers. Did David do the wrong thing in this moment? He went to the temple, he's not a priest, he, he shouldn't have in some ways well, yes and no, because the issue is being fixated on the law while forgetting the authority of the one who made it. You see, in a culture and a time like Jesus that didn't know the word holiday, they didn't have long service leave written into the enterprise bargain for a fisherman in Galilee, their culture was unique because they knew rest was part of the fabric of humanity, a gift from a good God to his people so we don't wear ourselves or creation out. And you know that, I'm sure, you feel the need for rest. But in God's vision for life, the Sabbath was made for man. In the Pharisees' vision for life, man was made for the Sabbath. Therefore, Christianity is for those who need rest. To all who are tired and worn out from life, spiritually dry and aching, the commands of Jesus are here to do good and save, not burden us more. The Pharisees have made a day of rest into a burden by defining it as the way they did and Jesus came to undo that. Which is why Mark tells us one more story. After this whole Sabbath debacle in the Pharisees' mind, they were very sensitive to what Jesus did on, on the Saturday. So sensitive, in fact, that when they went to the synagogue, which is the, where they would teach the God's law, 
a man with a withered hand, probably from a workplace injury, was there. And they saw this man, they saw Jesus, and they said to themselves, hey guys, if Jesus heals, let's catch him. You've got to realize how horrible this is because they would rather a man with a sore hand with no Panadol, no morphine, no, no modern medicine to literally stay in pain and unable to work in an agrarian society or so they can catch Jesus out in their own cunning little plan. They would rather keep him in that state just so they can catch Jesus. It's horrible. Horrible. And Jesus knows it. And so he calls the man and says, hey, come here. And he looks at the Pharisees and he says, is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath? Should I save life on the Sabbath or destroy it? Now, the answer is really easy because the answer is yes, you should, right? You should do good on the Sabbath. Easy answer, except if your heart's hard. If all you think that Jesus is evil and Christianity is bad news and it's oppressive, you'll say no. And so the Pharisees stay silent. They don't even answer. They don't care about people. They have no compassion. Their hearts are stubborn and Jesus' heart is angry at this moment because those who should lead people to God's rest, who should have the most compassion, who should know the heart of God for mercy on others, the Pharisees reject the very author of life, Jesus, the Son of God. And then in this wonderfully ironic twist, with just his voice, just as God did when he made the world, and without breaking any command of God, and without breaking that tradition, Jesus says, your hand's going to be made better, and it is. Even by the Pharisee standards, he hasn't done anything wrong. But all it does is inflame them even more. And they try to plot to kill him. And in fact, the rest of Mark's gospel, there'll be this undertone now of are the Pharisees going to win? Will they destroy the Son of God? What will happen if Jesus is the Messiah? Anyway, we'll get to there in the coming weeks. But what does it mean to be a Christian? Mark doesn't want us to misunderstand Jesus on these points. Instead of having to be good enough, Jesus reaches out to us. Like Levi, Christianity is for those who can't seem to make it in society's eyes. Jesus is quite happy to take a seat at the table of your life, not waiting for you to get it all together first, to hear the call and come happily to Jesus, follow him, because obedience is not gloomy, it's joyful, it's attractive. There are plenty of gloomy, sad things in your life, in this world, but Jesus isn't and shouldn't be one of them. But yes, there's hostility for being a Christian. They're going to kill Jesus in the end. There's misunderstanding about the God that we follow. But Jesus isn't here to give you more burdens, but grace and love to obey him from a full heart. Is that the sort of Christianity that you live in and thrive on? Because after all, the commands of Jesus lead us into rest and to do good. Firstly, we rest in Jesus' work of salvation for us, which he accomplished on the cross. Later on, we'll hear Jesus say, it's finished. Your to-do list, if you have one, always gets bigger. Even if you finish it one day, the next things will come back. It's a never-ending cycle. But when it comes to Christianity, to having your sin forgiven and life made new, there is always a tick in the box by Jesus that says, I've earned it for you. So just rest in that. In him, he gives you the tick of approval before God, not by what you do. And then from that good place, the good news of Jesus not only renews us, but our communities too. Because we believe Jesus is Lord of every area of life, the Sabbath and Monday to Sunday and every day in between, 
Every day is a good day for doing good and calling people to faith and repentance in him. You see, Mark gives us this amazing vision of what Christianity can be. How vibrant and refreshing life with Jesus is. So let's not be like the guy who met George Lucas that night when it comes to Jesus. Let's get to know and press on to this Jesus more and more. Let me pray and let's sing to this great God about his mercy. So Ben, come on up and let me lead us in prayer. Our great God, you see us, you know us, you sent Jesus as your son to meet us where we're at, to bring us back to you. And that's such a happy thing. Lord, your mercy and your grace and your kindness. So Lord, may we reflect and thrive on that, that you forgive us, you make us new. So thank you, God, for your kindness in Jesus, in his death and resurrection. Amen.